I want to talk um, first, first of all, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to 2 Kings chapter 4. That's what we're going to be studying today. If you don't have your Bible, you can open up the app. We've got a Bible inside of our app, and uh, my notes are in there as well, so you can follow along with me. But I want to, before I get too deep into the message, I want to talk about a story that I read about a single mother. Um, uh, single parents, may it be a, a single father, a single mother, uh, it is one of the toughest jobs um, that there is. And um, it, it's a thankless job for the most part. Um, by the time uh, a child realizes how awesome and how, uh, how hard their parent worked as a single parent, usually it's, it's later on in life. So there's literally... Uh, potentially decades that go by without receiving the, the thanks that you need to keep going. And sometimes you don't ever get it. And, uh, but it's a very difficult job, but it's the most important job that there is. My wife was raised by a single mom. I was raised by a single dad. Um, looking back, we could have hooked them up, but... Uh, uh, <laughs> I just looked over there and she went... <laughs> But, uh, but anyway, um, but I want to talk to you about this single mother that, uh, that I read about. Uh, it's, it's really a, a difficult story um, because she was a single mother of two boys. Um, but the reason why she was a single parent was because she was a widow. Uh, her husband passed away. And um, it was interesting because when he passed away, he was a good man. He, he had a lot of integrity. I'll get to that in a moment an honest man, a hard worker, but he let the debt, uh, their financial debt, get out of hand, and uh, he ended up passing away before he could, uh, he could get rid of it, and so he left his wife uh, with a lot of debt. She didn't have the skills uh, to be able to get a job, and she needed to care for two small children at the same time. This, is not, this story did not take place in the United States. It took place in another country. And uh, so she just couldn't do everything. And um, uh, the, the, the people that carried her debt, the creditors, they uh, were not kind people. They were incredibly rude and, and, and threatened her. In fact, on, on that side of the world, if you don't pay your debt, they can legally take your children and, um, and make them slaves. And so, uh, you know, slavery happens in America today all the time. Um, it's in the, in the way of sex trafficking. And, and I want you to feel the hatred towards that action, that sex trafficking um, slavery. It's demonic and it's wrong. But at the same time, I want you to feel good because our church sends a lot of money every year to try to stop sex trafficking, and, and you need to feel good about that. You need to feel good about that. Um, and in fact, the end of the year is coming, and we're going to show you all the places that we sent money uh, this year, and, and, and you guys will receive that reward when you're, you're in heaven. But uh, she went to go see her pastor, and uh, she said, I, I don't know what to do. Uh, I need some help. And no doubt she was crying. It didn't say that in the story that I was reading, but you can just make an intuitive leap and know that. And she said to the preacher, she said, you know, you know my husband. 
Uh, he was partners with you. You guys were arm in arm. You guys did ministry together. You preached together. You helped people together. You know my husband, and now I'm coming to you because my husband helped you, and, and I need you to help me right now. I need you to help me. And uh, the, the preacher said back to her, he said, um, he goes, uh, well, wh what do you have? And, and she said, I, I told you I don't have anything. I don't have anything at all. And, and to prove her point, uh, she said, I, I don't have any money. I don't have any uh, assets. I don't have any skills. And to prove her point, she said, the only thing I do have, I got, I got one I got one bottle of oil in my house. That's all I got. And, um, and the preacher smiled at her and he said, all right, this is what we're going to do. You got one bottle of oil? She goes, that's all I got. She goes, this is, what, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go home and I want you to call everybody in your family. I want you to call every friend you have and I want you to ask them to give you as many jars, as many canisters, as many vessels, as many vases as you can possibly find. I want you to ask your family. I want you to ask your friends. I want you to ask everybody you know for as many as you can find. And he goes, and, and then this is what I want you to do. And then he gave her very clear directions. And so she, she went and did that. And she went and banged on every single door. She called every person she knew. She went and talked to everybody she could find. And, and the directions were this, to take all of these vessels, all of these canisters, all of these vases, and, and put them on the floor in a bedroom. And, and what she was supposed to do is close the door behind her, do not let anybody in except for her two sons. And this is what she did. She took her vial of oil and she poured it inside of the pitcher. And lo and behold, she could just keep on pouring and pouring and the pitcher was full and she still had a full vial of oil. It was a miracle. And then what she did is she grabbed the next one and she began to fill that one. And by the time this was full, the vial of oil was still full. She couldn't believe it. And so she ended up grabbing another one and filled this one up. And, and by this point, no doubt, the, the two boys started laughing. They couldn't believe what they were seeing. Mommy, let me try. Let me try. Let me try. And they're passing it around and freaking out. It filled up every single one in the whole bedroom. It was unbelievable. And then, um, unfortunately, they ran out of pitchers and vials and vessels, and, and then the miracle came to a stop. But what was so cool is that they could take all this oil and sell it and paid off all of their debt. And, and then at the same time, there was enough money left over to just take care of her from there on out. She didn't have to worry anymore. Uh, it's a great story. It's available for you to read. It's in 2 Kings chapter 4. Uh, you can read it when you get home, and it's just a phenomenal read. And, and what it teaches me is just a, a many, many different levels of, of nuggets of truth. But what it teaches me straight away is that God likes to fill empty things. 
The, the, the Son of God, Jesus, when he walked on this earth for the very first time, the very first miracle he did was he filled empty things. He walked into a wedding, and, and the people that were in the wedding, they were like, hey! and they were dancing and, and, and they were drinking and they were dancing with people they didn't know and there was music everywhere and, and his mother walked up to Jesus and said, we got a problem, we're running out of wine, no wine, no party, uh, I need your help. And what he did is he filled all the empty uh, basins with wine. And he doesn't just fill empty canisters and empty goblets uh, with either oil or wine. Is he actually fills people's life in a way that can't be filled any other way. I'll give you an example. Uh, Jesus uh, was in the middle of the day and, and this woman uh, was thirsty. And so she went up to get something to drink. And, and he saw her. And um, he just, he ever looked in his, have you ever looked into someone's eyes and you can just tell they're not happy? Have you ever done that? He looks into her eyes, and, and see, you and I, we can look in someone's eyes, and I'm like, man, something's not right, but most of the time, we're stuck at that point, right? We can see it, we can tell, but we can't do anything, so we just kind of back off. Jesus, the Son of God, He can fix anything, and He can't, he can't not want to fill someone's life, and so He looks at her, and He sees that she's hurting, and He walks up to her and starts talking to her, starts up a conversation. Come to find out, um, her first marriage ended. Uh, she found the courage and the strength to try it again and, and got remarried. And then that one ended. And she found the courage to try again a third time. And then that one ended. Uh, by this point, no doubt, her heart is very fragile. She doesn't know who to trust anymore. She tried it a fourth time. That one ended. It's a very hard thing to stand at an altar and, and have somebody make promises to you and then they, they don't follow through. It's very hard. And, and I don't know where she found the strength, but she tried it a fifth time. Um, that marriage fell apart. Jesus could tell she was in pain and, and he went up and he started talking with her and, and come to find out that the guy that she was living with wasn't even her fifth husband. She just, she just completely just gave up. I don't know if you've ever wanted to do that. You just give up on her relationships altogether. They're just too painful. They're too full of hurt. And he looked at her and he said, Look, I know you feel empty. But I can give you something that you will never thirst for anything ever again. Uh, you, and, and I don't know if you ever thought about that story in the Bible, because when you thirst, have you ever been depressed and you just wish life was fun again? That's called being thirsty. Have you ever hated your job, but you don't have any options? That's called being empty. You don't know what to do. This is the Lord saying, I, I know exactly, I know exactly where you are. And this is what I do. I, I fill empty things. This is what I do. But not everybody that met Jesus walked away full. There were some people that met Jesus empty and they walked away empty too. 
There was this one guy named, he was the rich young ruler. The Bible doesn't give his, his, his name. He had money. He was rich. He was wealthy. He comes up to Jesus and says, I'm looking for, I'm looking for something more. And, and he says to him, I want you to sell everything you have, which is really unique. Because Abraham, just a few or many generations earlier, he was incredibly wealthy. And, and God told him, I want you to leave your family, but I want you to keep all that you have. And he was very wealthy. I want you to keep it. But here he's telling this guy, I want you to give it all away. See, what's the difference? Some people own things and other people things own them. Two totally different things. And, and, and if, a, if an Abraham is wealthy, but it doesn't own him, then God says, I gave it to you. Let's use it together. It, but, but somebody else, a young man that doesn't have the wisdom, the knowledge, the, the life experience, it's like, man, there's no room for me in your life because stuff owns you. You need to get rid of it. And see, God's not going to share the stage with anybody. He's not going to share the stage. And so he tells the young man, you need to get rid of the stuff. And the, stu and the young man said, no, I'm, I'm not going to do it. He showed up empty and he left empty. Uh, the Pharisees, they knew the Old Testament. They knew the Bible. They knew the Bible so good. But they, when they were in front of Jesus, they were headstrong and heart empty. And they walked away empty. Not everybody who shows up empty leaves full. See, God will fill anyone who's not full of themselves. There has to be a humility that says, I need you. It can happen in your car. It can happen in your bathroom. It can happen in the office. There's times where I'm sitting in a restaurant eating a meal and all of a sudden the Lord will cross my mind and I'll say, hey, I need to use the restroom real quick. And I'll stand up. I don't need to use the restroom. I just want to get myself in a stall and, 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 and be quiet about it and just say, I need you. I love you and I'm thinking about you. And then I go back to the table and never have used the bathroom. But I needed to tell the Lord, I need you. And people who, who they just think they can do this without God, talk to somebody. Talk to them. You're going to run out of steam at a certain point in life. And then you're going to back up and you're going to think that God isn't fake. God isn't real. It's not that God isn't real. You just never gave him a real chance. So I'm going to give you three points. I'm going to give you three simple points real quick. Number one, in order to be filled, there has to be an emptying process. There has to be, see, there's something in life called a false filling, okay? Um, you can get filled up on, on, on a passion for God, and then you look at every skill, every talent, every asset that you have and say, I love you, I'm living for you. What do you want me to do for you? And that's being full of God. Or you, you back up and you get consumed like a, a rat race and you get caught up in all this other kind of stuff and there's no room for God. It's like spoiling your appetite. You're going to get filled up on something. Have you ever ruined your dinner? I'm just going to have a couple cookies. I'm just going to have one cookie and then it turns into seven. 
right? And then you ruin your meal. Sometimes we get so full of other stuff that we have no appetite for the Lord. See, here's the thing. You know you're sick, like you have the flu. You know you're sick when you lose your appetite. No food sounds good. You know you're spiritually sick when you don't have an appetite for God. I don't care about God. I don't care about church. And if you make me come, I'm going to come just to appease you. But I just can't wait to get the heck out of here. It's a major problem when you have no interest in the one who created you. You're allowed to have questions because we all have questions. I have questions. I'm the preacher and I still have questions. Having questions and waiting for all your answers, you'll be waiting forever. But there's this issue where you come before God and you say, I don't have all the answers and that's why I want to serve you. I love you. You have to empty yourself. There's got to be that emptying. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, it says that the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life are not from God. They're from the world. What are those things? If you're taking notes, write this down real quickly. Uh, the, the lust of the eye is, is whenever, uh, I'm sorry, the lust of the flesh is physical pleasure. A lot of times people think, oh, it's sexual you know, sin. It does include that. But there's also physical pleasure where, where somebody can't push the spoon or the fork away. It's like, I am not going to be ruled by my flesh anymore. Uh, here's the other one, the lust of the eye, the craving for everything you see. Once again, people often think, oh, it's your lusting after men or lusting after women. Possibly, but there's other people, they can't sleep until they get that car that they've been staring at for the last year and a half. It's the lust of the eye. And then the pride of life. And, you know, I often think to myself, who in their right mind would want to go into politics? I think about that all the time. Who in their right mind would want to do that? Where everybody and their mother gets to say whatever they want about you. There's no way. And then you find out how much they're getting paid. You think to yourself, man, a congressman, it must be millionaires. Senators must be. No, they get paid well, but not, not, not good enough to deal with that. And you think in yourself, why in the world? But you know what? And this isn't all of them. This is just a broad stroke just to make my point. When you get caught up in esteem, it can push away the desire to esteem the Lord. You got to be real careful that anytime we hold offense, anytime we're angry at somebody, we have a certain expectation, a pride of life. And if you don't treat me at least that good, then I'm angry, I'm mad, I'm upset. And you know, the pride of life just says this, I expect a certain thing. And if you don't give it to me, I'm going to be upset, I'm going to be mad, and I'm going to be offended. That is the pride of life. That is the pride of life. The humility of life is, you know what? Who do I think I am anyway? Uh, I'm just a son of God, and is there any way I can keep my heart right? And I'll let you deal with God with your heart. So there's this emptying process. But then number two, it's the, the challenge to stay empty. See, she went from being poor to rich. Now, I don't know if any of you guys think like I think, but if I'm her, if I'm the single mom, and I have two children, and I've got a creditor threatening me, I'm going to take your kids, I'm going to take your kids, I'm going to take your kids, and then I am a millionaire, do I want to pay that guy? Okay, this is awkward, because some of you are like, just pay him. 
It's hard to pay people you don't like. Is, could a thought have ever crossed her mind, I'm going to take my kids, we're going to get on a cruise, we're going to go to another country, you're never going to see me again, and you sure ain't going to see that money. Anyone? Just me? Well, it's really not me. My wife thought of that point. What's my point? My my point is simply this. There's always an opportunity that once you surrender your life to God, once you, 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 you empty yourself and you just say, dear God, I love you. How can I serve you? I want to live with you. There's the minute communion is over, confrontation will begin. Hell, the Bible says this in Genesis, that, that sin crouches at the door. He literally, in, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, sin crouches at the door. In other words, you ever see National Geographic with the lion or the tiger, and they're like, they just sit there. It's like, man, that guy's patient. He's been sitting for 50 minutes. Satan is patient, just waits, waits. The minute that alarm clock goes up, you know how you do it, right? The minute you step out, head games, emotions, they're like arrows from hell. All this stuff, it all bombards you because hell is just trying to take the place of intimacy in your soul so that you cannot communicate with God. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, don't ever stop praying. You're sitting in a meeting, you pray. You're driving in the car, you pray. You're eating, you pray. You never stop praying. And then when you're in a meeting, you need to be praying then the most. Because the Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask of him who will freely give it, and he'll give it to you without repentance. When you're sitting in that meeting, you're sitting there going, you're just looking. And in your head, you're going, dear God, help me. This guy's an idiot. (laughs) Hypothetically, of course. There's always an opportunity that once you've emptied yourself, once you've surrendered yourself, something else will come fill it. And you got to pay attention to get rid of it. And then number three is this. I find it so fascinating that the Lord wanted the mother to have the children in the room to experience the miracle. Number three is share the experience. So interesting because I believe that a parent is standing in faith week after week, month after month. Parents Don't we all, I've got three kids, don't we all make mistakes after mistakes after mistakes, but we just, we got the responsibility waiting for us the next morning again. So we just keep trying and we keep trying. We stay faithful and faithful in the middle of making mistakes. Sometimes we're awesome parents, other times we feel like we're the worst parent in the world, but the reality is we just keep being faithful, we keep trying our best. Nobody wakes up and goes, I'm going to be a horrible parent today. Nobody does that. It's about being faithful and being consistent. And I just want to let you know that our kids will model our behavior before they listen to our advice. And so when our kids see us being faithful, we are always going to church, always going to church. Kids are taking notes. 
Out of 52 Sundays out of the year, my wife and I don't ever make all 52. Ever. Ever. Uh, but our kids are sitting there taking notes, mental notes, under what circumstances do we get to miss church? They are. Especially my, my nine-year-old son. Almost every, I don't want to go to church tomorrow. And, and I can hear his sister. You have to. Your dad's the pastor. <laughs> Under what circumstances do we get to skip church? And I just want you to know that the way we live, our kids are taking mental notes. We teach what we know and we reproduce who we are. And I want to just tell you, all of you that are here today, I honor you. Because your kids and your wife and your husband and your, whoever knows you're here, they know you're not perfect, but they see you continually showing up. And, and I believe that the Lord wanted the kids in the room because he wanted to show them what happens when someone remains faithful. Right. See, the Bible says this in Psalms 101 verse 6. It says that he searches. If it was easy to find, he wouldn't have to search. He searches for faithful people to show his strength in their, their life. Actually, it reads like this. That was another verse. He searches for faithful people. So the faithful will be his companion. And those who live above reproach will be allowed to serve him. Oh, there's something about being faithful. What's interesting to me, though, is further than that, is that God could have done a miracle financially for this lady without involving the friends. you got to remember how creative God is. He makes one slow snowflake and then he gets bored. You'll catch that on the way home. <laughs> He's so creative. He's so creative. He didn't have to use the neighbor's. I believe that he used the neighbors because he doesn't just want to bless one person and it stops there. He wants it to be a ripple effect that continues like concentric circles that continue to affect everything around that person. Now notice this, the miracle began when she started involving her friends. The miracle stopped when she ran out of friends. If she would have had more friends, she would have had more containers. Here's the, the lesson. There are times when we need God to move in our life. And I want to challenge you. Instead of ever waiting, 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 find relationships to invest into, to drag them to church, to get them into church. Now watch what happens here. The Lord will look down and say, you're looking for me. You're needing a blessing from me. But in the meantime, you're introducing people to me. Guess what? Your time is coming. And, and for those of you that get weary, don't get weary in well-doing. For at the right time, he will bless you. There, there, I say it almost every Sunday. The, the consequences or, or the, 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 the whip effect of inviting people to church and talking about God 
to your personal life, when God sees you investing into the kingdom, he always turns around and makes sure that you are more than taken care of. More than taken care of. Absolutely. Why don't you stand to your feet for me, please? Let me say a few words. If everyone here would just bow your head and close your eyes. Nobody looking around. Nobody looking around, please. The, the physical heart is an interesting thing because it doesn't need a battery to keep going and you don't charge it up at night. It started beating. And there's going to be a day where it just stops. And if you do a Google search on the obituaries of who passed away on this world yesterday, you're going to find children's names. You're going to find teenagers' names. You're going to find adults. You're going to find all. You never know when your heart is going to stop beating. If your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, are you 100% sure you know where you'd spend eternity? If the answer is no, I don't know. But you want to fix that today. I want to let you know that there's two things available to you. Number one is mercy and number two is grace. Mercy forgives you of your sins and the grace gives you the strength to stop. 